Hey friends, it's Corey Andrew Powell here, letting you know it's time to treat yourself with an exclusive Motivational Mondays deal at the NSLS shop. Listeners get 20% off shop-wide with the code MONDAYS. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Need a new coffee tumbler? Or perhaps you want to keep it classy with a new hardcover notebook? Well, get them on sale. Listen, with this deal, I'm tempted to trade in my bow tie collection for one of those cute NSLS hoodies. And don't forget, use code MONDAYS at checkout. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org. And stay motivated, leaders. Stay motivated. This week, best-selling author, life coach, and sociologist Martha Beck explains why integrity is the secret to a meaningful and joyful life. She's written several New York Times and international bestsellers. She holds three Harvard degrees in social science. And Oprah Winfrey has called her one of the smartest women I know. This is Motivational Mondays. I'm your host, Max Zerzak, and joining us is Martha Beck. Martha, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Awesome. Let's kick things off. What does a sociologist do? What's the <laughs> root of what you try to get at? My sister once called it the labeling of the incredibly obvious. <laughs> but really what it is, is the study of the way people move in groups. So I wanted to study psychology and found out when I was in school that that was about being in a lab with rats. And if you were going to put two people in a room, that was sociology. And I'm fascinated by the way society changes and how it influences each of us as we go through our lives. So that's, that's what I do. That's really cool. You, you also have, if, if I'm remembering correctly, you have three degrees from Harvard at this point? Yep. Yeah, at this point. <laughs> I'm not going back soon, so I think it'll be three for good. I'm, I'm curious why you have such a passion for education. It's because I was a miserable child and teenager. Um, I really was. I was... Uh, anxious, depressed, didn't know what I was doing with my life. And so I started looking for meaning and purpose when I was a teenager and I found it, you know, I found it, but it was a, it was a hard task and it left me, Toni Morrison says the function of freedom is to free someone else. So when you've been in a lot of distress and not knowing what to do with your life, and then you figure it out for yourself, there's a really strong impetus to try to help other people in the same situation. Interesting. What is integrity and why is it so important to life? Okay, so I wrote this book called The Way of Integrity, and then I thought, oh, everybody's going to think I want them to go to Sunday school, which is the opposite of what I want. So integrity actually means intact or whole. So I think of it, it's not like it's a virtue so much as it's just good sound planning. Like if an airplane is in structural integrity, it means that the whole thing is working with itself. It's all in harmony. So it can do this amazing thing, heavier than air flight. But if the parts aren't in integrity, it might not take off. It might not be steerable. It might crash. And our lives are the same way. Most of us are split. We're divided against ourselves without even knowing it, which means we're not in structural integrity and things crash when we don't, when we're not aligned with what is deepest in our own truth. When we try to set out for a goal that is not inherently meaningful for us, we split ourselves, and we fall out of integrity, and life goes badly. And where does this internal split come from? It's because we are so wired up to be pleasing to other people. Like, we, we owe everything to 
being dependent and being accepted by other people. So we're born with our own nature and our own, I believe, in destiny. And I think it's coded into our DNA. And that's our nature. But we immediately encounter culture, which doesn't mean like art and music. It means whatever social pressures are put on you. So even before we learn to talk, we learn what pleases other people. And if it goes along with our real nature, then it's fine. We don't have to split. But if we find out that, for example, acting happy when we're sad makes other people happy too, we will abandon ourselves before we can even talk and pretend to be happy when we're not or pretend to be comfortable when we're not. And by doing that, we're not in integrity. We're in duplicity. We are two things, not one. And from there, a whole a whole host of negative feelings and experiences start to unfold. And we're completely innocent. We're just trying to be good. But it, it, it breaks us from our integrity and we start to crash. And if we look back historically, have you seen this divide occur more with the rise of social media or is it something that's just always existed? I think it's much more with the rise of social media. Um, there are so many of us looking intensely at others in a very personal way. So there's not, there's a whole um, sense of exposure that wasn't there before. And people are desperate to mimic what they see on social media as the ideal. And it just never stops coming at us and it never stops wanting us to present ourselves. And so many of us, I, I know so many authors now who went off social media because they felt like they were, they were becoming whatever they were, their followers wanted. And in doing so, they were forgetting to be themselves. And I think that's really, really common right now. And my gosh, like kids and teenagers and college students, when you're just forming your identity and you've got that amount of scrutiny on you, that amount of publicity, it used to be only celebrities had to deal with that. And there's a reason so many of them are like addicts and alcoholics. It's not easy. And it makes us want to split from ourselves to please other people even more. What's the process for finding integrity, for getting back to our true self? Is there a framework they use for that? Yeah. I mean, I just wrote this book about it where I go through step by step and there are little exercises that are meant to make it sort of gentle and relatively easy. But in a, in a weird way, COVID gave us a, a little kickstart because um, there's this philosopher, Pascal, who says the reason for almost all our misery is that we're unable to sit quietly alone in a room. Because when you sit quietly alone in a room, the things that are true for you start to surface. If you're in a room full of people, there's sort of noise and chatter and you never really have to look deeply into yourself. But a lot of us got stuck for a long time sitting in a room, quietly or otherwise. And that's the first step to getting back to our truth because we start to feel what's not right. And, and let me tell you, you cannot abandon your truth without causing suffering for yourself internal suffering. And when you sit quietly, that comes up and you start to realize, I am not happy doing X, Y, and Z, even if my parents love it, even if all my friends do it. I am not okay with this. And that presents you with a pretty stark choice. Do I keep going doing what everybody around me is used to? Or do I find a way that works better for me? Most of us choose selling out for other people. And then later we end up, well, there are six 
symptoms that I saw that come from self-abandonment. And the first one, and the most painful, weirdly, is a loss of purpose or meaning. You just, you feel like your life has no reason for being. And you wouldn't think that that would be the most painful thing for people that I've worked with in the slums of Africa or Cambodia or whatever. But meaninglessness is the absolute worst thing, torture we can feel inside. So then uh, we start to get bad moods, anger or depression or anxiety. Then our health will start to fail if we are not being true to ourselves. Then we just mess up constantly at whatever we're trying to do in career, in school, whatever. Then our relationships don't go well. And finally, we may try to medicate with some form of addiction because everything is just going to hell in a handbasket. And the cause for all of that is that our true selves are rattling their cages and going, please let me out. Let me be myself. Get me out of this social cage or I will literally self-destruct to get away. You put yourself through an interesting social experiment where you didn't tell a single lie for an entire year. Yep. <laughs> How did that go? What did you What did you oh discover? Oh my! Oh my! <laughs> well, first of all, I was 29 when I did this, and I'd been more or less unhealthy and unhappy for a very long time. I was really, really sick. When I was 18, I, I was out running and I got hit by a car, and I was supposed to lie down until my injuries got better, and they never got better. I developed this chronic illness. And then I kept piling on other autoimmune diseases for, until I was 30 something. Um, so I'd been really, really sick from 18, like in constant pain. And in my late twenties, I was like, I got to be free. I've got to like get out of all this suffering. And somebody told me the truth will set you free. So I thought, okay, I'm going to take this literally. I'm not going to tell a single lie. And, uh, Almost immediately, the crap hit the fan because when you decide never to lie at all, the people who socialized you are the first ones who are going to not like the change in you. So that year, I, um, I, didn't, I wasn't abandoned by other people, but I walked away from my religion, which had been a very big deal. I was raised in a very religious home which meant that my family of origin and I were on the outs, so I kind of lost my whole extended family, huge family, seven siblings. Um, I lost, I, I realized I was gay. Oh, yeah. So there went my marriage. I realized I hated academia, so I quit my job, which was my only way of making money. And I quit my industry, which is all I'd been trained to do. And I left my home. I left this, the state where I lived pretty much Everything I had chosen was based on things that weren't true for me. I don't expect that most people will have that. Well, and I've coached for 30 years, and most people do not have that kind of intense disruption because I was really far out of integrity. Most people never get that far out of integrity. So that's what happened on the outside. But on the inside, my depression went away for the first time I could remember. Anxiety dropped lower than it had ever been, my body started healing. I got back a healthy body and I started meeting people and doing things that made me happy. So in the middle of all this catastrophic loss, paradoxically, I was getting healthier and happier than I'd ever been. That's so interesting. Why do people lie? 
We lie to be accepted. I can't think of a reason that anyone would lie except to get out of um, being in trouble with other people or to be in other people's good graces. It's interesting. They've done studies that show that most of us lie at least three times during every 10 minutes of conversation. Women specifically tend to lie to make other people feel good about themselves, where men tend to lie to make themselves seem more important. And that's just a generality, but it's kind of interesting. It shows the different social pressures on the different genders. Men are supposed to look brave and powerful and almighty, and women are supposed to be the earth mother, give everybody joy sorts of things. Um, both of them are just deadly poison. <laughs> that's not who we really are. In this journey to discover alignment and integrity, what was the most surprising thing you've discovered? The most surprising thing was that the other when you start to tell the truth and you do things that make your heart happy and you make your mind interested and uh, engaged with other people, the other shoe never drops. Like nothing, I would, I would do something based on my former self, and everything would go to hell at some point. I would do something based on my truth, and then it, things would go bizarrely well, and I would wait for them to fail. I'd wait for the other shoe to drop. So far, it's been like 30 years. The other shoe doesn't drop, you know? It's like, really? It's still, my life still keeps getting better. Yes. As long as I stick with what's true for me, my life keeps getting better. And my entire worldview shifted. There are, they did this huge study and showed that people basically break down into folks who see the world as um, meaningless and inert and dead. So dead, inert, and meaningless, the acronym is DIM. And then there's another way to see the world, which is safe, enticing, and alive, which is S-E-A or C. So the difference between those two things is almost like a, an off-on switch in the brain. And I was completely in the DIM view of life until I was um, in like until I really started telling the truth a lot. So after that first year of telling the truth, and then it switched. And suddenly the world went from this gray, meaningless place to the, uh, something that was safe, enticing, and alive. Like everything seemed to want to be good to me. And I developed a sense of safety and purpose that I could never have before. And then I started to be able to get money by doing things that filled my soul with joy. Like I love tracking animals on the African savanna. Turns out other people will pay me to take them on a self-discovery mission that includes tracking animals in the African savanna. Somebody asked me once, how did you get that job? And I'm like, I did what I loved, and I thought of a way to make it serve other people. And that's all you need to make a living in the world. That's really cool. How can people find their own purpose? The nice thing is that it's the one thing you never misplace. <laughs> and the part of you that knows it best is actually your physical body. So they've done experiments that, where they have two decks of cards and people have to take cards off these decks. And one of them it gives you big wins, but in the end it always cheats you. And the other one gives small wins, but they add up and you do better. So they have people pull these cards and try to win this game. And after 80 cards, they've figured it out intellectually. Oh, the blue deck is the deck that's safe. The red deck is stacked against me. But after they pull just 10 cards, that's just five cards from each stack, 
when they reach for the wrong deck, the one that's stacked against them, their hands sweat, they start to shake, their cortisol levels go up. In other words, the body knows that the red deck is spiked against them, stacked against them long before the mind. So your brain is processing about 40 bits of information per second, which is great, amazing. Your brain body nervous system all combined is processing 11 million bits of information per second. So the first thing I do with anybody who wants to become intact, get into integrity, is I have them relax, take a few deep breaths, and tell me how their body feels when they go to this class, when they go to that class, when they go out with this friend, when they hang out with those people. And in every case, if we pay attention, the body tenses when we're doing something that is against our purpose and relaxes when we're going with our purpose. So it's like I had this really dramatic thing um, when I was trying to deal with my illnesses in graduate school and my hands hurt so much that they had to be in casts. And I wrote like my PhD dissertation by taping pencils between my fingers and hitting the keys of my computer with the eraser ends because my fingers didn't work. And then I decided I wanted to write a novel. And every time I opened the computer for that novel, it was like something unlocked my hands and I could suddenly type. And every time I thought, okay, great, my hands are okay. I'm going to go work on my dissertation. No go. They would freeze up like pieces of rock and there was so much pain. And I was like, I think something's trying to send me a message. <laughs> and by the way, that book became a bestseller and started my career. So yeah, yeah, the body tells all of us what to do next. Is that the same kind of reaction um, comparable to when, when people say you just have to trust your gut? Yeah, I mean, there is a, a, a nest of neurons in the gut that is literally working like a brain and also one in the heart. The heart actually has brain, uh, you know, has enough neurons to be the size of a cat's brain. And there are more nerve sending messages to the brain from the heart and gut than are going from the brain to the heart and gut. So those parts of our bodies, I always have people focus a lot on their literal physical feeling in their stomachs and the literal physical feeling in their chests and their throats. Because when those things tighten up, it's like a compass that's just telling you, look, I don't know where you're going, but that's away from it. <laughs> you know, and when you find the thing, all you have to do is sit, and, and I do this in my book, you just play with it in your mind, go toward, okay, I'm going to try this, and then you see how the gut and brain, the gut and heart react to, say, um, getting a job at your father's company, as opposed to getting an internship with a, you know, politician or something. There will be a difference in the physical reaction of the gut and the heart. And that is literal. And if we learn to pay attention with this, it's, it's a brilliant way of sort of tracking what we're meant to be doing. Do you think people should lean into fear or try to avoid it? They should lean into it if the heart says go forward. It's a bit like when you fall in love. It's a terrifying, there's a reason we call it falling, right? It feels out of control, but it's wonderful. You can also fall off a bridge, and that is also out of control, but it's not wonderful. <laughs> so it, the important thing to note is not whether you've got fear, but whether, whether your heart and gut are saying, yes, 
Yes. If it's safe, enticing, and alive, but it's still got, there are a lot of obstacles and there are a lot of ways to mess up, but you still feel that thrill. I always say people don't always get what they want because that comes from the culture. But when you really yearn for something in your gut, that is what you're meant to have. But by definition, as you begin to move toward it, you'll be afraid because you're risking something real. Like going out with somebody you don't care about is not that big a stress. Going out with someone you're in love with is like a roller coaster. You you yearn and yet you're afraid of being rejected. So it's in that space of genuine yearning, which carries with it its own kind of butterflies. That's where we find the sweet spot of our destiny, actually. So, so fear is just a passenger that rides along with me now. <laughs> well, I like that. I had a guest on the show, Molly Fletcher. Mm-hmm. And she, she said she said a quote that, that really stuck with me. She said, you take off a plane from New York to L.A., two degrees of difference, you end up in Seattle. Yeah. So we need to be really intentional about what we're chasing. And I thought yeah. that that was beautiful. And, and one of the concepts I truly love about your approach is that we need to make one degree corrections to improve yeah. our life rather than trying to course correct all at once. Yeah, I did that that year I turned 29, and I'm telling you, it is a rough ride, and I don't want anyone else to take it. But I found that, and not only my own experience, but a lot of research, again, shows that small changes add up to big differences in our lives, and big changes typically don't last. We take a, a lunge forward, and then we collapse and go back to what we were doing. There's a lot of pressure when you start to come out of what you're used to and be more true to yourself, even prisoners who get out of prison have to make this adjustment. And it's hard because they're used to being told what to do and now they get to choose. And in a way, we're all kind of coming out of the prisons that we've made around ourselves by doing what other people want. So the way to do that is by shifting a tiny bit at a time. And as you said, it's one degree turns. If you steer a plane one degree north every half hour, you may end up on the other side of the world. I mean, a one degree change every half hour completely different destinations. So that's the thing. You find your integrity, you realize, for example, oh, I really hate this job or this class or whatever. Then you start saying, okay, how can I make this a more enjoyable experience by one degree? So like working out, I can never make myself work out. Okay, I'm going to make this one degree more interesting by watching animal videos on YouTube while I work out. Or you know, people use music and stuff. I happen to like animal videos. So that's what I use. And that little change is going to introduce the, the, it makes your brain more fluid. It literally creates something called fluid intelligence where you're more able to make little changes. And then those little changes sometimes add up to big moments. Like, shall I take this job or shall I leave this job? But because you've been taking little steps the whole time, it just takes one more little step forward and you, big, big things happen. And finally, what's some actionable advice to college students who are trying to figure out what to do after college? What's the number one lesson you want people to walk away with? The number one lesson is the way other people have done it in the past no longer defines your future. There is so much change. It is so rapid, and there is no way. There used to be a part of sociology called futurology where you would predict Guess what? It doesn't exist anymore because change is so rapid and so unexpected. I mean, look at the pandemic. Who, you know, like, boom, everything was different all of a sudden. 
we are at a time in history when change is going to continue to happen at an accelerating pace. So the place to start your career search, your job search, your search for the right relationship is with the truth in your heart. It's not like there's a road you can drive on that will take you to success. It's like there's a compass in your heart that will turn you in the right direction. And it may be a direction no one else has ever gone before, but it will not fail you. Trust yourself and you'll know how to live. Martha, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Max. Thanks for having me. I hope each of you goes out there and buys a copy of Martha's new book titled The Way of Integrity, Finding the Path to Your True Self. Just follow the links in the description below. And we'll see you again here next week for Motivational Mondays.